Merry Christmas, and welcome to the Eerie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. So how do you feel about surprises? Now, right there, you probably had one of two reactions. Either you thought, sure, I love a good surprise, or you thought, oh, please, no. Today, we're continuing our Christmas series called Good News, Great Joy. God has a surprise for us, and that surprise is a gift of great joy for our lives. Now, we may not feel like that's possible in today's world, but God is clear that he is able and willing to bring his joy into our life. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's get started. Here's Pastor Nicole. I am so excited um, to continue our series today, uh, week two of our series called Good News and Great Joy. Now, our messages in December are all going to be coming from the Gospel of Luke, chapter one and two. So did anyone read some of chapters one or two this week? Raise your hand. All right. Awesome. If you didn't, I want to encourage you uh, to read those chapters, read them as a family, uh, read them maybe in a different version than you usually read, commit some verses to memory, do all you can to ingest Christmas so that you don't miss it. (laughs) So that it doesn't get to be January and you think to yourself, wow, the whole Christmas season went so fast because of all the things I was running and and able to do. I talked to a friend yesterday that said she shopped for four hours just for her daughter's boyfriend's gift. (laughs) Things can consume, right? So we need to make sure that we don't miss Christmas. I want to encourage you to be proactive in sharing the message of Christmas to people that you love and people in your life. Uh, We have invitations to our Christmas Eve service at two and at four. Uh, So make sure that you invite some people. They look like this. They say good news and great joy on them. They'll be at the tables while you exit. So make sure you take a couple, get them to people in your life uh, that maybe don't go to church or haven't been in a long time. Uh, Let's not keep this wonderful season of good news and great joy to ourselves, okay? Deal? Let's do this together because we have great news, good news and great joy to talk about all month long. So let me start today by uh, asking you a question. You're going to answer this question to someone near you, okay? So this is the question. When was the last time you were surprised? When was the last time you were surprised? Was it a good or bad surprise? So go ahead. If you're sitting by yourself, maybe find someone also that's sitting by themselves. When was the last time you were surprised and was it a good or a bad surprise? All right, how many of you would say, I'm a surprise person, like I like them. I like them. All right. I'm like that. I mean, I know Pastor Quinn, I did tell him not to surprise me this morning, but I do actually genuinely like surprises typically. How many of you are like, I really like, if you surprise me, I'm angry. Like I like, like I am like angry when I get surprised. All right. Everyone's kind of on a spectrum at some level. So just about everything in the Christmas story was a surprise. Last week, we talked about Zechariah and Elizabeth, and they never expected to have a baby in their old age, but an angel surprises them and tells them, uh, Elizabeth, you're going to give birth to a baby. I know that you feel like you were never going to have a baby, but you're going to give birth to a baby, and it's not going to be any baby. It's going to be a special baby, a prophet named John the Baptist. Mary is actually the cousin of Elizabeth, and she witnessed this surprise. So she was like, wow, that's such a big surprise. This is so amazing. Little does she know, uh, she is about to have a surprise of her own. Mary was chosen to be the mother of God's son, Jesus. Now, Joseph, maybe the most surprised of all, (laughs) 
when his fiance gets pregnant and he can't explain it. <laughs> I think Joseph wins that award. The Jewish people, they were surprised. They expected the Messiah uh, not to be born in a stable to lowly parents they've never heard of. They were looking for a king, but there was no crown, there was no palace, there was no royalty or riches. They were deeply surprised. And in fact, their surprise made them skeptical. Let's just talk about one more character in the story. The shepherds keeping their flocks like any other night, doing their thing, their stinky you know, job for life. An angel meets them in a field. The scripture says that they were so afraid. In fact, some versions say sore afraid. I did some research into what that meant. Basically, it means like wet your pants afraid, okay? <laughs> like, like the shepherds were sore afraid, if you know what I mean. <laughs> they were so surprised that God would pick them to be the witnesses to the newborn son of God. So this Christmas, are you open to being surprised by God? Are you open to being surprised by God? Do you want to invite God's surprises into your story? Because he has a history. He has a track record at this point of Christmas surprises. In fact, I just want to pray that direction this morning. Would you just bow your head right where you are this morning? And will you say these words, if you mean them this morning, just say, surprise me, God. Surprise me. I want all that you have for me. I'm open to your surprises. Just pray for just a minute, right where you're at. God, surprise me. Amen. So this week, I want to pick up in Luke 1. And as we continue to see God's remarkable and surprising plan unfold. Now remember, this season in scripture is actually marked by the quietness of God. We talked last week. If you didn't catch it, you can check out the, the Facebook Live or the podcast. But after the last words of the Old Testament... The, the book is closed, and there is 400 years of silence. 400 years where God does not send any prophets or angels or miracles. And so we pick up in Luke 1, 26 to 27, and it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. So here we see another angelic appearance just six months after an angel met Zechariah in the temple in Jerusalem. And in that time, Palestine was divided into three provinces. I want to show you a quick map here. This is the, um, that part of the country. There was Judea in the south. Samaria was in the middle. And Galilee was the largest and the most northern part of the country. Now, Galilee was known as a region of struggle. Okay, Galilee was known as a region of struggle. One of Herod's sons ruled this region, and it was surrounded by hostile neighbors. So there was a lot of uh, kind of difficult things happening in Galilee. And Nazareth, as you can see on the map there, was a city in the region of Galilee. Now, this small city was in a remote part of the country, and it had no reputation for learning or religion. In fact, uh, if I, I want to tell you more about Nazareth today, but to be honest, Nazareth had no reputation at all. <laughs> Nazareth, in fact, wasn't known for anything. No one had even heard of it. It wasn't mentioned in the Old Testament. Uh, it wasn't mentioned in the Apophrica. It wasn't mentioned in the Talmud. It wasn't mentioned in the ancient historian Josephus' record because nothing happened in Nazareth. Okay, no, 
No one important came from Nazareth. If they were reporting news on it, they would be like, the stoplight flickered one more time. The, the Slurpee machine is still working. <laughs> right? I mean, there was just nothing happening. How many of you would say, I'm from a town just like that? <laughs> I'm from a town just like that. It was a nothing town. There was no reason to put it in any of the historical records because nothing happened there. In fact, a reflection of how people felt in that time about Galilee and Nazareth uh, can be found in John 1, 45 through 46, when we see this conversation happening between two disciples. Philip found Nathanael and said, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said, Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? I mean, this was literally the, the feeling about Galilee and about Nazareth. And people in that time would say, who would even go to Nazareth? Like, who would even care about this tiny little town in this unstable region? And God says, surprise. <laughs> surprise, I will go there. <laughs> I will go there because I care about this little town. And I care about the people in this nothing town. And not only do I care about it and have my eye on it, and I've seen it all along throughout history, I have huge plans for the redemption of all of humanity to come out of Galilee and Nazareth. <laughs> and that is what God says. And God goes into Galilee. God goes into the place of struggle. And the Holy Spirit told me this week, God doesn't have to avoid the place of struggle. God doesn't have to avoid the place where things are difficult and hard. He goes right into the middle of it and he says, look, out of nothing, I make something. Out of barrenness, I grow good things. Out of confusion, I bring clarity. Out of difficulty, I bring growth. Out of a dark and hurtful past, I bring hope. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Why do you think Jesus came into this world through a young girl from a nothing town and a struggling region? And why are those details in Luke 1? I mean, God didn't have to even tell us where she was from. There's so many things in the scripture we don't know. There's so many details he leaves out. But for this particular one, God is telling us exactly the place that he goes. And I really believe this is what God is saying, that he's saying, I don't do things the way the world expects. I'm going to do it completely opposite. I've come to flip the world upside down because my power is made perfect in weakness. I come to broken places and struggling places. I come to people who feel forgotten and looked over. And I say, surprise, here's the miracle. <laughs> Here it is. You didn't think it was coming. But this is where I'm going to do it. And you know that part of your life that's messy and dark and struggling, that part that you can't really make sense of, that part that you don't really want to talk about, this is what the Christmas message is, is that Jesus wants to come right into that place. Emmanuel, God with us. He wants to enter into that part of your life that you would give yourself an F in. That, that part of your life that's Nazareth. And Jesus is coming, and he's coming straight into the place of struggle. And he's going to perform a miracle. All right, you want to read the, do you want to keep going? All righty. Three verses in. All we know is where she's from. All right, let's go. Luke 1. <laughs> so this introduces us to Mary. Luke 1, 28 tells us what happens next. So the angel goes to her and says, 
Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Now, I feel like we read this like very, you know, oh, okay, this is what happened. But can you imagine? Like, we don't even know what Mary's doing. So she's, whatever, folding laundry, you know, going to the well, whatever she's doing. And an angel appears to her. And the first thing the angel said is, greetings. <laughs> I mean, she had to be a little startled, right? Like, oh, hi. Okay, what's happening? And the angel says, the favor is with you. Favor is what God does for someone out of his good pleasure. God's favor is sovereignly given. You can't earn it and you can't buy it. And I feel like this statement, like how the angel leads the conversation is anticipating Mary's unspoken question. Uh, you know, the angel's like, greetings. And the angel's like, I'm just going to cut you off and just tell you why I'm here before you ask. Because the first thing Mary's going to go is, why me? <laughs> why are you coming to me? And the angel says, look, because you have received God's gracious favor, that God has sovereignly set you apart for such a time and purpose as this, and that God picked Mary to be the mother of Jesus, to bear and raise the Christ child. And this was an incredible privilege, an incredible unique calling. No one else on planet earth was ever chosen to bear the Christ child. Okay, so that's absolutely what, she, the angel hasn't told her yet what her assignment is, but the angel says, look, you are special, you are, you are who God has chosen, this is gonna happen to you, but... This was not the greatest favor that God would give to Mary. Okay, track with me for a minute here. God gave Mary a completely unique calling. But the favor, the word that, that the angel actually is using is the word here for the grace of God. And that same word, the word for favor upon Mary, is the same word that is used later in the scripture, that the grace of God is poured out on each of us. And that the same grace that God offers every single day to each of us. And so if, if the Lord would ever allow you to see an angel, an angel might pop into your living room and say, greetings. <laughs> the favor of the Lord is on you. The same thing that he said to Mary, because that would be true. The grace of God that was extended to Mary is the same grace of God that is extended to you and is extended to me. And Mary's greatest blessing was not being the mother of Jesus. That was an incredible blessing, but that was not her greatest blessing. Mary's greatest blessing was that her child would someday save her from her sin. That blessing is not solely for Mary. That grace is given to everyone, to every generation who believes in him. And this favor is available today. If you have never trusted the Son of God, Jesus Christ, that favor is being spoken about in Luke 1 is offered to you today. And all you have to do is receive it. Receive the fact that you are a sinner. You need Christ to save you. Repent of your sin. Turn from it and believe in faith that he will. You see, Christmas is all about God surprising us with grace, taking nobody from nowhere and giving us love. That's what he does he did that to Mary, and that's what he does to you and to me. He gives us this favor that we don't deserve and this grace of God. Just say amen right where you're sitting right now. Amen. All right. That's true. I received that. Let's look at verse 29. So Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And you will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. And he will be great. And he will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of the father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. And his kingdom will never end. 
And what we see here is God fulfilling a promise that he made 700 years before this moment. 700 years before this moment, he told the prophet Isaiah that this would happen. And in this moment, the prophet Isaiah wasn't there, the prophet Isaiah's grandchild wasn't there, and the prophet Isaiah's great-great-grandchild wasn't there. But the promise that God made stood true. And the angel said in verse 32, Mary, you're going to name your baby Jesus, and he will be great. He will be great. Now, this word uh, doesn't mean great like we say in English. Um, the tacos I had for lunch were great. Not That's subpar of what we're trying to say here. You know, thank you for recording my TV show on DVR. That's great. That's not what you're saying. He's saying inherently great. As in, there was none like him before, and there will never again be anyone like Jesus. That Jesus sits on the throne of a great and eternal kingdom. He is in all things. He is above all things, and he holds all things together. A few verses earlier in Luke 1, John the Baptist was called great in the sight of the Lord. But here, Jesus, just simply great. Great in his own right, all on his own. He is the great savior and he will reign as our great king of kings. Now I love what the angel says is, look, uh, this is fulfilling a prophecy. It was told that Jesus would come and here he is. And in verse 32, it says, then this is what's gonna happen next. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. I love how God fulfills a promise, but just as he's fulfilling that promise, he's giving us a new promise. He's like connecting all the dots together. And where we are in the timeline of history is we're after Jesus has been born, but we are before this next prophecy. So if Jesus was faithful, if God was faithful to do what he said he would do 700 years before this moment, God will be faithful to complete the prophecy that he has given us to do again. And so that means Jesus is coming. He's coming back and we can believe it. We can put our, we can put our hat on it, right? We can trust it. We watched Jesus do it before and he's going to do it again. So this is what he says. He says, Jesus's kingdom will not be limited to the people of Israel. Jesus is going to come. He's going to be the king but not just to the house of Jacob, not just to the people under King David. His kingdom will be so much greater than that. It will be such a bigger scope and power, and his kingdom will be everlasting in duration. And not even death on a cross is going to thwart this plan. And as we continue to read through the New Testament, we watch this prophecy unfold that Jesus reigns, uh, his reign becomes visible as his ascension, and then the Holy Spirit comes in Acts 2. However, the full manifestation of Jesus's kingdom reign is still coming. Like we haven't seen it yet. So we got a new prophecy. We got a new promise to hold on to at the moment the angel spoke to Mary and she, he said, look, this is about to be fulfilled, but there's more. Isn't there always more with Jesus? I love that. There's more. And so watch for it because something else is going to happen because someday all the kingdoms of the world will dissolve before this great and awesome conquering king. And this kingdom will have no end. And someday every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what's going to happen. That's where we're going. That's, that's the trip that we're on. And this snapshot of what happened is just a stop along the way. All right, so let's look at verse 34. Uh, Mary asked the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. Now, some translations 
of Luke 137 say it like this, for with God, nothing will be impossible. I just want you to repeat that this morning with me. Ready? For with God, nothing will be impossible. One more time. For with God, nothing will be impossible. So here's Mary. She doesn't argue with God. She doesn't disagree with God. She doesn't say, uh, God, I don't actually think you can do that. But she does say, um, I believe that can happen. Just a tiny little question. How's how's that going to (laughs) work? Because, like, I mean, that's kind of a fair question, right? How can I have a baby, I have no husband, and I'm a virgin? That's right, Mary. You can't. And the most important lesson in the universe is about to be taught to Mary through this incredible question. In fact, I love that Mary asked that question. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad Mary asked that question? Because if Mary didn't ask that question, I don't know if the angel would have given us Luke 137. And I I have stood on the promise of Luke 137 a lot of times in my life, have you? That for nothing is impossible with God. For God can do all things that are, are impossible. I've stood on that promise a lot. And if Mary hadn't asked that question, I don't know if the angel would have answered like that. And so in Luke 1.37, we have this incredible moment where the angel is like, listen, you are correct, Mary. A virgin cannot produce a baby. But God can. But God can. And the Holy Spirit who gives life will act in creative power to produce a child in a virgin. And the one who created the world out of nothing will create life in a virgin's womb. And this is the sovereign work of God. This is a divine miracle. We call it the miracle of incarnation because it's this moment where we see Luke 137 in play for with God, nothing will be impossible. One of the best things I love about Mary is she, you know, she doesn't have a lot of book knowledge. In fact, she's a, from what we know, a pretty simple uh, young woman from a town we've never heard of, right? She doesn't have a lot of experience, but she does have faith and she believes what God says. She believes what God says. Science couldn't, couldn't bring this about. Philosophy can't explain it. But God did it. He did the impossible. And Mary believed that he could. And out of this part of Luke 1, we learn that nothing is too hard for God. There is no sin so bad that cannot be redeemed. There is no heart so broken that can't be fixed. There is no trial so heavy that cannot be sustained. There is no promise so big that it cannot be fulfilled. And there is no barrier so strong that cannot be overcome. And God is still doing the impossible. That same grace that the angel was talking about that's poured out to Mary, that I'm telling you can be poured out to you, this same impossibility that, that, that you are facing, God is still doing the impossible. Luke 137 is still a word for today and God's word will never fail. I want you to hear from my friend Johnny today about some impossible things that God has been doing in her life. Will you, will you thank her for coming up here this morning for a minute? Hello. So as Pastor Nicole just said, God is definitely still doing the impossible. Um, so me personally, I have struggled with depression for the last 12 years of my life. Um, it's become normal. For me, um, I've struggled with suicidal thoughts ranging from good weeks or months, it was a couple times a week, to during bad times, it was multiple times daily. I was having these thoughts 
but I thought that was normal. I thought everyone thought like that, and that's kind of how it was. And for 12 years, I've prayed, you know, God, would you heal me of this depression? I've saw it, I've talked to people and gone through other avenues, but I've always just been like, well, this is, this is kind of my normal. But back in April, during a worship service here, the Lord spoke to me and said, hey, I want to heal your depression. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, we've been talking about this for a while. Are you sure? <laughs> is it now? Okay. Um, and I was kind of hesitant, and I was very nervous to press into that moment with the Lord. Um, but then the Lord began to speak. You know, I expected healing. You know, it's this moment where you're praying. You're like, God, will you heal me? And you open your eyes, and there's sunshine and butterflies, and you're not sad. <laughs> But that was not my journey. That was not what the Lord had in that moment. He began to uh, show me different steps that he would have me to take. And so I said, yes, I'll trust you. And I began to walk out these steps that the Lord put before me. And a couple months later, I realized, oh, I haven't, I haven't had suicidal thoughts in over a month. I was, that was new to me. I was like, what is this? Um, a couple months after that, I realized, oh, I'm not exhausted all the time. You know, it's 11 p.m. and I don't need a nap. Uh, I came home at the end of the day and I'm not just collapsing on the couch, but I can relax and do my chores and get things done. I feel okay getting out of bed in the morning. And then even just this last week, I realized, oh, I don't have brain fog. You know, I, I, can, I can think with clarity and, and things are making more sense to me than they ever have before. And uh, I was healed. I have been healed of depression, and yeah, we can clap for that. <laughs> so uh, a couple weeks ago in service, the Lord spoke to me. I was like, hey, I want you to share this with the congregation. And I was like, oh, okay. So that means I have to believe it. You know, that means I have to trust that this depression I've struggled with for the last 12 years isn't ahead of me right around the corner again, but I have to actually step into this healing that you've given me. And so I did, and I talked to Pastor Nicole, and here I am. <laughs> and so as I began to pray about, God, what would you have me share? You know, what, what, what do you want to say uh, to the people in this congregation? I felt like God reminded me of <laughs> this struggle as I've walked through depression for the past 12 years. You know, I was a Christian, and I was in church, and every single time someone would pray over me or prophesy over me, I swear, they would say, man, your life is just saturated in joy. The joy of the Lord radiates out of you. Wow, there is just, you're so joyful. And I'd be like, yes, I am. And, <laughs> and I would go home and I would say, God, what does that mean? What is this? You know, you know what's going on. And as I began to pray about that this week, the Lord just reminded me and showed me that through the last 12 years, like I have been sustained by joy. That joy isn't circumstantial. Joy doesn't depend on our mental health or the chemical balances of our brain. But joy is a promise from scripture. And so I felt like the Lord wanted me to share with you today that if you find yourself in a desperate place, whether you're struggling with depression or anxiety or just some other thing that's made you feel like you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I think he wants you to know that one, you're gonna get through it that he's walking with you, you're gonna come out on the other side, healing is available, but also that you can be sustained by joy in that space. Because joy isn't circumstantial, but it's a promise from scripture. In fact, it's a fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. 
that the Lord wants to sustain you. And so Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And then in John 15, right after Jesus teaches on what it is to abide in him, what it is to walk in relationship with him, he then goes on to say, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So fullness of joy is a promise from scripture that you can hold on to, that you can walk in, and it's not circumstantial. And I just think that the Lord would want you to know that you can trust what he says is true, that his joy is enough, and that your healing is coming. Let me end with this. This is how this passage ends in Luke 1, verse 38. Mary answers, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. These have to be some of the most precious words in the Bible. Mary just willingly, immediately accepts and submits to God's will with total surrender, complete submission, full acceptance, unquestioning obedience. And she says, look, I'm the Lord's servant. That's how I view myself. This is my role, to serve God no matter what. I didn't really expect a miracle like this. (laughs) This isn't what I would think a miracle would look like. And I'm sure even for a while, she probably even doubted that miracle because it took nine months. You don't feel pregnant right away, okay? Anybody who's been had a baby in this room? It's not like you don't like immediately wake up and you feel that, right? And so she had to wait. She had to stand on that promise. People probably questioned her for nine months. And then after she had the Christ child, years later is when he began to do the miracles. And so all of that time, all of that time, she had to trust that this miracle may have not looked or felt the way that she thought but that she was the Lord's servant and that God's word would be fulfilled. I wanna end like this. Would you stand this morning? I really believe that Jesus still does the impossible. We saw it through Mary, the young girl from Nazareth in Galilee. We saw it today with Johnny that, that Jesus still does the impossible. And as I listened to her testimony, when Johnny came to me just a few weeks ago, I really believe that very specifically, God wants to heal some people in this room of anxiety and depression. Maybe you would say, just like Johnny, it's been a lifelong enemy of yours. You've been, sometimes you're, I have this saying, sometimes you eat the bear, sometimes the bear eats you. You know, there's been times and days that maybe you've been on top of it or haven't been, but this has really just been something you've chased your whole life. Maybe some of you have said, you know, I really didn't find myself an anxious person until the last two years when the entire world went on lockdown. Or maybe you lost someone you loved recently, or you're just having these these feelings, this brain fog like she talked about. And I really feel like the Lord was saying to me this morning, look, do you believe that I can heal those things? Do you believe that with God, nothing is impossible? And I do, do you? Do you believe that? Do you believe that God can still do that? That what he did before, he can do again? Now maybe today your healing is gonna come in a moment. God is outside of time. He could reach down right now and he could take away every anxious thought and feeling you've ever had. I know he can, he could do it. But sometimes miracles look more like what Johnny said. It's more like, hey, take this first step and trust me. Okay, take this next step and trust me. And our response is what Mary said, I'm your servant, God, let your will be done. 
I'll do whatever you ask me to do and I believe that you're healing me. I know that God wants joy to break through for you. I know that. I know that he is still working and moving and delivering. And I'm believing today that many, many more people are gonna have the same story as Johnny. They're gonna say, I came to church and I sat in row C7 and the Holy Spirit met me and I feel so different than I used to feel. That all those years are behind me and God's doing something new in me. And I believe he's gonna do that today because he loves us so much. And this Christmas, the staff team and I have been praying that joy would surprise you. <laughs> that it would come out of a place that you never thought you could experience it. That it would come out of nowhere and you could feel this lightness and this joy of the Lord and that it would become your strength. That this Christmas joy would break through. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna do two things today. If you were here, if you're here today and you say, look, yeah, I'm dealing with anxiety or depression or some level of it, or I know somebody who is, I want you to take that prayer card in the rack in front of you, just write your name on it, or maybe you just wanna put your initials on it. Because here's the thing, we want to pray you through to your healing. As a church, we wanna pray you through to your healing. Because we believe it's coming, whether it's today or tomorrow or the next month, it's coming and we wanna pray you through. And so would you take it, would you put your name on it or someone you know that's struggling with it or your initials and would you put it in those buckets on your way out? If you want a pastor to call you and just pray with you specifically this week, put your phone number on there. We would be honored to do that. We would be privileged to do that with you. But we wanna pray you through that. And the second thing I wanna do right now is pray together. I wanna, I wanna ask the Holy Spirit to do what only He could do, to do miracles that only He can do. So we, everybody in this whole room, we raise your hands just like this. And let's just pray this together. Remember, we learned those words, amen and hallelujah. Those are words that agree with what I'm saying, right? Hallelujah is praising the Lord. So you just say those words as I'm praying. Jesus, we believe that nothing is impossible with you. We believe that what you did all those years ago in, a, in a, a city no one's ever heard of, in a region of struggle, God, that you can do again. And we want to serve you no matter what. We echo Mary's words today that may your word be fulfilled. And so Lord, surprise us with your joy today. Surprise me with your joy. Break through to me with your joy. Uh, Holy Spirit, maybe those that don't even know what joy feels like anymore because they've been so hurt and burdened all these years. God, would you just surprise them right now with the joy of the Lord well up inside of them and they would have, they would feel something maybe they haven't felt in many, many years. Holy Spirit, we ask, Lord, we know you can. We believe that you will and we are your servants. We'll serve you no matter what. But God, would you allow joy to break through right now in Jesus' name? That joy would crush anxiety. That joy would crush depression. That joy would outshadow, outsource, outgrow all of these things that we carry so heavily. God, we're trusting you for our healing this morning. And it's in your strong name I pray, amen. Will you say amen if you agree? Let's sing this last song, this last chorus of the song as our prayer. God, you're never gonna let us down. Just sing this out.
Jesus, we believe that you are good. And with God, nothing is impossible. And so, Lord, we trust your word today. And we go out believing that joy is going to break through. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Erie First Podcast. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and share it with your friends. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram or visit eriefirst.org for all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.